Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The head of the FBI had a stark warning for Americans this week as we watch the war in Ukraine rage a world away. There is serious concern over the possibility of Russian cyber attacks against critical U.S. infrastructure. I think the principal threat, frankly, is to the private sector. J. Charles Johnson should know. He was the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security in the Obama administration from 2013 to 2017. Protection of cybersecurity is as important as physical safety these days. Given the extent to which we depend upon systems online for how we do business, our privacy, how we shop, uh, how we apply for schools, for example. This week on 880 In-Depth, a discussion about the threat of cyber attack against the U.S., its critical infrastructure, our businesses, and our citizens. It seems like the, the potential scenarios could make a good Hollywood movie about a power grid going down or, or, or flight control systems going down to you. Well, I mean, that's not a movie. <laughs> that's, you know, that, that could be reality given the interconnected nature of our systems. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheld. Jay Johnson doesn't sugarcoat it. The threat of cyber attack in the U.S. by foreign actors is real. And while the war in Ukraine has certainly raised our awareness, this threat has been building, he says, for years, even decades. We spoke to the former Homeland Security Secretary, now a lawyer in private practice, to get his in-depth perspective on it. Jay Johnson spoke to our Peter Haskell in a conversation that centered on how the threat of a Russian cyber attack could come in a number of forms. One threat, one cyber threat, is implanting malware in various systems and then 
pulling the trigger on that malware at any given moment. Malware can lie latent in a system for days, weeks, months, and then the bad actor can simply activate it to hijack data, degrade a system. That's one form of attack. Another form of attack is through an act of what we refer to as spear phishing, where the bad actor is, it, it, it gains access to a system because a user of the system mistook the bad actor for somebody else and let them in the gate. And through that, you can hijack data, you can degrade a system, you can steal data and then demand ransomware, a concept that we're all familiar with these days. So there are these various forms of potential attacks, and our government is correct to warn us about what they are seeing right now. Do you think the greater threat is to a government system or to a private system like a utility or banking or something else? I think the principal threat, frankly, is to the private sector. Something like 80% of critical infrastructure in this country is in private hands, not government hands. Cybersecurity, therefore, is inevitably a public and private endeavor. Those in the private sector, in financial services, in the defense industry, in energy, uh, have a responsibility and a duty, which I'm sure they recognize, to protect their own systems, to protect their own cybersecurity, because much of critical infrastructure is something the public depends upon. So the, the, the principal cyber threat is to the private sector. There's been talk of uh, Russia basically trying to scan for vulnerabilities. If we find these things, what will that tell us? Well, scanning for vulnerabilities is not new. We are in a heightened alert posture right now, but scanning for vulnerabilities is something that we see on an ongoing basis. I know that from when I was in office, uh, reading daily reports on what the bad guys are up to. Scanning and probing is d d typical. Uh, I am not surprised that we are hearing now from the government that this activity seems to be intensifying and there seem to be preparatory measures being undertaken according to our government by the Russian government. Therefore, we have to all be on heightened alert. Uh, those who are the managers of cybersecurity and critical infrastructure in particular need to take a hard look at what their current vulnerabilities are, whether or not malware may be lying latent in their systems right now. There are cyber experts, cyber firms that can help with that uh, because we are in a heightened alert status very definitely. When it comes to these private entities like utilities, a couple of things. First of all, how prepared are they? How seriously do they take this? And the second thing is, should the government set standards 
for at least a kind of minimal resistance? So three things. Number one, there are vast differences in the levels of sophistication when it comes to cybersecurity. Some businesses, some firms in finance, in defense, in energy, for example, are very, very sophisticated, almost as sophisticated as our own government is. Now, the other thought I have in response to your question is that we are increasingly interconnected when it comes to critical infrastructure, when it comes to our systems uh, because of the internet and otherwise, we are increasingly interconnected. That was brought home to us with the Colonial Pipeline incident where because of an attack, the entire line in the East Coast was shut down, gas prices as far north as the Washington DC area shot up. So we are an increasingly interconnected society. When it comes to minimum standards, yes, I believe that our government, our Congress, should try again to enact legislation that will um, bring about certain minimum protections for our cybersecurity. We regulate uh, air safety, we regulate road safety, we regulate um, issues of safety around chemical plants and so forth, why not cyber as well, given the importance it plays in, in society? The more sophisticated actors in the private sector are already doing much of this, but regulating certain basic minimum standards, it seems to me, makes a lot of common sense, given the importance of cybersecurity in our society today. Take that one step further, if you could. What difference would that make if there were minimum standards? It would encourage, if not mandate, the less sophisticated actors out there, and there are a number of them, to bring their systems up to speed. Because of the interconnected nature we are all as strong as the weakest link in supply chains in who we do business with we are all only as strong as the weakest link therefore i think it's appropriate that we regulate minimum standards to bring everybody up to a certain basic level how concerned should smaller businesses be about this or individuals about possibly being targeted and what what can and should they do? A ransomware attack can be very random. For example, malware can be implanted in software that gets distributed between and among companies. Malware can be implanted in software designed to promote cybersecurity and that software gets purchased by various different companies, uh, small businesses, large businesses, and could then be activated in a very random haphazard way. We've seen this before. And so those businesses that tend to house large amounts of data, personal data, 
like university records, hospital records, for example, uh, bank records, are targets for potential ransomware attacks. But ransomware can also take a very random nature. No one really is immune. No one should think they are immune or safe from the possibility of a ransomware attack. So if I've got a small business or I'm just a, a, a guy who's got an email account and uses the internet, what kinds of things should I be doing to make sure I'm safe? There are firms, there are experts uh, that can help even small businesses to with certain basic best practices to protect yourself against um, a, a cyber attack. Just like you'd hire somebody around the house to uh, assess whether or not you need more security at the front door and your locks uh, in your in your in your driveway, in your windows. Uh, there are firms that can advise you about very basic protections you can take to protect your own cybersecurity. And protection of cybersecurity is as important as physical safety these days. Given the extent to which we depend upon systems online for how we do business, our privacy, how we shop, uh, how we apply for schools, for example. And so um, this is pretty basic stuff. We hear about these attacks uh, every now and then, and certainly there are some high-profile attacks. I, I suspect what we hear about is just the tip of the iceberg. Should there be a, a reporting requirement so we have a better understanding of the scope of this problem? Well, you suspect right. <laughs> and reporting requirements are a little complicated. We encourage victims of cyber attacks to come forward and report them to uh, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is part of my old department, DHS. Uh, we encourage reporting to law enforcement like the FBI. But we also don't want to, we don't want victims to feel like if they report they are highlighting their own vulnerability uh, and they might lose business. They're, they're, they're concerned to reveal our vulnerability, that they were a victim of attack. So we, in government, we do try to guarantee confidentiality, but we, we do strongly encourage uh, those victims to come forward, report them to DHS, report them to law enforcement so that we can all see the larger picture. And if you report it to government, Investigators, those with the larger picture in view, can very often tell you more about your own attack. This was this is who did it. This is how it can be remedied. This is how it can be repaired, and we can help you get your data back. You have been sounding the alarm about these threats for years since you're with DHS, and I'm curious, how has this threat evolved? Has it been? Uh, a constant uptick has it spiked since Russia invaded Ukraine. How has this picture changed over the years? Well, I'm not reading daily intelligence reports anymore, and I've not done that for five years. My strong impression from both when I was in government, now that I'm a private citizen, is that 
cyber attacks are are steadily rising. The bad cyber actors are increasingly aggressive, creative, tenacious, and we have yet to turn the corner on defense. We've yet to turn the corner on figuring out how to erect a, a, a perfect wall against a cyber intrusion. And so there's a lot more to be done here to turn this corner before it gets better. Right now it's getting worse. And that's even before the latest event, the world event with Russia invading Ukraine. Uh, Russia is one of the more sophisticated and aggressive bad cyber actors. I am not surprised that the FBI, our government, are, are seeing these scanning and probing activities out there uh, coming from a Russian platform. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, in fact, I wondered why we had not seen that sooner. David London is managing director of the Chertoff Group, a Washington, D.C.-based company that helps businesses and organizations build and manage programs to defend against physical and cyber attacks. With the war now raging in Ukraine, we asked David London about the threat of cyber attacks from Russia. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the threat is real uh, among, um, you know, within our country, uh, given the Russian uh, aggression in Ukraine, which has certainly put it into sharper relief. But uh, Russia has proven both its capability and its intent in cybersecurity. It, it has a history of disruptive attacks. You, you only have to look as far as 2015 and 2016 when it attacked the Ukrainian grid. Uh, the first time the power grid was successfully disrupted through cyber means. And more recently in 2017, um, in the NotPetya attack, was the, which was the costliest cyber attack in history, estimating estimates uh, are uh, at least $10 billion. And what, one of the issues with Russia is oftentimes these attacks have much broader blast radius than is necessarily intended. The NotPetya attack, which originated in Ukraine, ultimately had global implications, you know, and disruption. So, um it's not, it's not really clear why Russia hasn't uh, fully deployed its sort of multi-domain attacks where it's conducting, you know, kinetic attacks in the Ukraine and then more disruptive attacks um, in cybersecurity. It has proven its ability to do that. But I think that's what the U.S. government and the commercial sector is most concerned about, sort of that, that when, when the... the um, that next phase in the aggression uh, may occur. There are lots of private sector industries that I suspect could really pose problems if they're attacks. Banking, healthcare, aviation, certainly the power grid and, and utilities. Is there a sector that you think is most vulnerable or most likely to be attacked? Yeah, so I think those are two separate questions, but certainly they're related. I mean, uh, we work a lot with financial institutions and financial sector technology providers that help power uh, the banking sector. Uh, they are very much, we believe, in the crosshairs, uh, in part because, um, you know, although the U.S. has imposed sanctions, it's actually the banking sector 
that has to operationalize those sanctions. Um, and so, you know, Russia in its effort, you know, in retribution for these sanctions would um, uh, likely target the large banks and, and supporting organizations. Um, as I alluded to just a moment ago, the, um, you know, the, the grid is also, you know, an area of concern uh, given both uh, previous activity in the Ukraine grid and also other, you know, reconnaissance uh, that, um, you know, has occurred most recently that the FBI has reported on. Uh, both, you know, historically, but also more recently around energy companies and the level of scanning and reconnaissance um, in order to, you know, uh, in order to potentially sort of map uh, vulnerabilities and areas of exposure within the grid. Um, I'd also say that those two sectors are also some of the best prepared. Um, they're aware that uh, given their threat profile and risk surface that they need to take cybersecurity seriously and have substantial regulatory obligations as well to build a mature cybersecurity program. If this all sounds like some Netflix thriller, well, we posed that question to former Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson, and this is what he told us. It seems like the, the potential scenarios could make a good Hollywood movie about a power grid going down or or, or flight control systems going down to you. Well, I mean, that's not a movie. <laughs> that's, you know, that, that could be reality given the interconnected nature of our systems. And so that leads to, to my next question to you. What, what's the greatest threat or what's the greatest concern we should have here? I have been saying for a while now that cyberspace is the new battlefield in the 21st century. Cyber attacks occur daily, hourly, globally, and in our country. There are nations that engage in covert cyber attacks back and forth on a constant basis. So this is the new battle space. Um, we are, put Ukraine aside for the moment, we are uh, increasingly seeing um, cyberspace as the place where nations do battle through covert actors, through actors who are acting at the behest of the government, not directly part of the government. And so this is something that we're going to be living with for a very long time. And as I said earlier, so much of our defenses lie with the private sector because cybersecurity is principally a private sector endeavor. In terms of national security, if Russia does uh, attack with some kind of uh, cyber warfare, what is an appropriate response from the U.S. government? Good question. I've been asked this a number of times now. First, we have U.S. Cyber Command, which is part of the Department of Defense. We have NSA, which is part of the Department of Defense, that exist for the defense of our cyber systems here in the United States. 
uh, and has the potential to engage in offensive cyber actions against other nations. The question that I think is on many people's minds today is under what circumstances can a cyber attack constitute an act of war? The best answer legally that I see is that if a cyber attack is large scale and causes some form of physical destruction on a large scale or the loss of life, that can be considered an act of war, which would warrant a response that is proportionate but not necessarily in kind. Put another way, if there were a cyber attack on this country that caused large-scale physical destruction, you know, an explosion, for example, we would be justified in responding against the the bad actor, assuming we can identify the bad actor, uh, in a proportionate way, but not necessarily another cyber attack. So you could respond with a kinetic strike to take out the bad actor's ability to launch another cyber attack again. Last question, uh, a non-cyber question. Uh, Vladimir Putin seems to be hinting at a possible nuclear threat. So, first of all, how likely do you think that is to happen? And secondly, do you think he continues ramping up assaults, maybe expanding the battlefield, and will he continue to do that until the U.S. gets involved in some way? I have to say, I... Well, anything is possible. I have to say that I am less concerned about a some form of nuclear attack, more concerned about continued attacks on innocent civilians, continued attacks on civilian uh, in, in, in cities, um, targeting facilities, marked children, uh, where children are being uh, kept in a safe space. Uh, these are these are missile launches that violate basic concepts of the laws of war. You do not target civilians in this way. You do not target innocent civilians. I have concerned that as his army, as Putin's army, uh, is being turned back by the Ukrainians, uh, and this is an extraordinary story in and of itself, Putin is going to double down on his attacks on innocent civilians in Ukraine to try to bring that country to its knees. His army has performed very poorly uh, going into Ukraine on the ground. Uh, We see these reports of thousands of uh, Russian military uh, killed in battle by the Ukrainians. And as Putin sees that, he's going to become frustrated and, and, and intensify his attack on, on innocent civilians through a number of different means. And so I'm, I'm more concerned about that, very concerned about that. And it's up to NATO and the Western world, I think, 
to really intensify our own response to this. The sanctions, uh, supplying the Ukrainians with what they need to fight back against the Russian military. Secretary Johnson, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm a big fan of radio, as you know. Our thanks to former Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson for his time and expertise, and to David London from the Chertoff Group. 880 In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Listen to us on your time on demand. Just search for WCBS 880 In-Depth wherever you get your audio. Thank you for listening, and please be safe. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.